This episode of The Great Equalizer is sponsored in part by Supreme Fertility, an innovative new fertility program for couples who are looking to start their parenting journey with pharmacologically approved lifestyle guidance and holistic supplementation. If you and your partner are struggling to fall pregnant, have been disappointed time and again by failed IVF procedures or recurrent miscarriages, or if you simply feel the pressure of that biological TikTok, Supreme Fertility may offer you the holistic support you need to help you conceive. Visit supremefertility.co.za to find out more. That's supremefertility.co.za. This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, Sam solves a problem. Charlene has an unpopular opinion. And we look at different styles of parenting with the Conscious Parenting Association of South Africa. Hello. Hi. What's your unpopular opinion? Well, firstly, uh, family holidays are bullshit. (laughs) Hang on now. Careful who you're talking to. Careful. You were at the beach for a week. What the fuck is your problem? I know, I know I sound really ungrateful, but you know what? It's just, it's just parenting in another location with a different scenery, albeit a beautiful view. It just, it's, it's not, um, it's not all it's, it's made out to be because it's, it's, it's almost torturous. It's like the beautiful beach and the calmness and the relaxation, the, the sense of relaxation is right there only to be ripped out of your hands like 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 uh, candy from a kid once reality kicks in and you realize you're just two tiny humans, little bitch for the week. <laughs> <laughs> you carry their shit, you rush them to the toilet, you flip and um, wipe their snot and watch them scream and moan about the sand getting into their eyes and but not wanting to get out of the water but wanting the sand to not touch them. It's just, uh, anyway, it was fun. We made memories, let me say that. Relaxing then, you say? Yes. If I look at the photos, the highlights reel is wonderful. It looks like we had a whale of a time, except there's a few selfies that I took of of Jessie and her facial expression really tells the tale of what her mood was like. No, you got to share them with me. Even if you don't post them, (laughs) I want to see those. I think I did actually (laughs) post one or two just so that whoever was looking at those photos realized that it wasn't all Monskane and Ruisa. It wasn't just a beautiful, wonderful, hashtag blessed experience. But then I also came home to um, Rhett needed, he had a trip planned, a uh, two-day uh, trip planned prior to when we went on holiday a long m- months ago and only realized that it was literally, he leaves like within two days of us getting back home. So I'm still here with a pile of dirty holiday washing and um, 
solo parenting with the kids doing both drop off at school and pick up at school, which normally I would have his help with. And the added benefit of dun, 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 no power for almost two days. Oh, load shedding. Eskom, where were you all our lives? You've been here all our fucking lives. It wasn't even load shedding this time. Some bloody power station was out and it was literally just the end of our street that didn't have power because the rest of always did. You know what? Load shedding, power outage, uh, whatever that's gone down, it's all the same to me. It's all the same. Like, just sort your shit out. I've got to sort my shit out. You sort your shit out. Thanks. Yeah. It's not like we're paying taxes or anything. Oh, I solved the problem. I solved the problem. So, for all our listeners who have journeyed with us this year, with me on my postpartum journey with Noah, I mean, I feel like I'm banging on about it. It's been six months, and I kind of want to say to myself, okay, fuck, Sam, like, enough, get over it. But I do want to really say how I'm feeling. And I, I, don't, I won't say we've come to the crux, but I, I will say I found something on, you know, Carly's couch, on the couch with Carly, Carly Abramovitz. Mm-hmm. We've chatted to her before, so I was trolling her, her Facebook page the other day and she posted something by a doctor called Catherine Bindorf talking about the scale of postpartum that we label it as postpartum depression you know, and I've spoken that I'm just like, yeah, it's so much more than this. Like, can you just, so this lady says it like it is. And I wanted to share it with our audience. Postpartum depression is beginning to be recognized by most people, which is really nice because that was not the case for a long time. What's interesting is that postpartum depression is a kind of wastebasket term. It encompasses everything. That's the only word or term we have for postpartum anxiety, postpartum OCD, postpartum panic disorder, postpartum PTSD. So people don't really recognize that there are all different kinds of postpartum illnesses. They just get called postpartum depression. It's important that they're distinguished because not everybody identifies with having depression. So that's that I feel like summed me up like I'm not identifying with depression I, st- I know what I what I love to do I'm not having suicidal thoughts or, or other thoughts but I I am feeling something and I felt quite seen mm. by that so I hope I hope it helps uh, someone else who might be in the same boat or navigating the same waters the problem that I solved is you know the village I've been bitching about I hired one. You hired one. I did. Ooh, <laughs> did you win the lotto? <laughs> I did not win the lotto. And, um, and let me guess, your UIF still hasn't paid out. <laughs> my UIF still hasn't paid out, but what I've done is I've created space in my life for someone to hold my baby. And while that person holds my baby, I can sit and work and make the money that I need to afford. <laughs> to pay for the individual to hold your baby. <laughs> for my village. So I hired a nanny, which is not something I wanted to do initially. It's something that I always have fought hard against, not because I disagree or judge other people who hire nannies. We've spoken about it before a mm-hmm. lot. And I totally respect that decision. But Ray and I, we just feel so overwhelmed and I mean, I think I, I would love to get into this, but I, I feel like we're perpetuating sometimes. It's it's only in South Africa that, that we're able to, or it's 
mostly only in South Africa, that we're able to hire people um, for such a small amount of money, even if it's above minimum wage or what the standard mm. going rate is. Nannies and domestic helpers do not earn a lot of money and it is a result of, and, and it goes so much deeper into our socioeconomic states and climate and, and sociopolitical. So there's so much to go in here, but Ray and I have always gone like, eh, I'd rather our kids be in school and if we're going to upskill people, we like upskill them or we help out. So it, it was never, I'm, I'm going deep into like a very large issue that I shouldn't be because we, we're not really chatting about this today. But that's been why I've been hesitant to hire a nanny or to, to get okay. help like that. Noah's not ready for school right now. There is only a space opening up at Elijah School in the nursery class uh, in a few months. But I really needed the help. And I have to say we found a wonderful woman who is giving me just that. And at the same time, she needed work. She needed something. So mm. we were only able to give her so much but for those days, she's here and she's just an angel come down from heaven. And I never wanted to be that woman who was walking in the checkers <laughs> with a nanny behind her pushing the pram, you know, while you, you're packing. You know, I never wanted to be a fucking Karen sort of white mommy with her nanny because I can't handle my two kids God, I'd like the stereotype. I was like, oh my God, the shame. This is me now. This is me. But you know what? At the end of the day, I don't give a fuck what it looks like. I don't care if I come across as a stereotype. I know myself and I know um, what we're doing in our household. And I know that I was a better mom to my kids last week. And so... There you have That's it. That's what matters exactly. And you, this this woman needed an income. And exactly. I mean, it's not like you held her down with a gun to her head and said, "Work for me." Exactly. You know, work be for me for nothing. I'm not exactly. going to feed you. So just shut out. You know, it's like a discussion a, and a mutual agreement. It's a mutual agreement. She, Someone is in my employ and she is helping me. And like I say, an angel come down from heaven. So no judges, because frankly. I don't judge other people when I see them with a nanny. I was just like, I don't know if it's if it's for me. I don't, you know, maybe it's part of me that still doesn't feel like I'm actually an adult. And I'm not ready I, to hire people, you know. I just like, don't want that responsibility. And I really didn't want that stereotype to be me. So it's it's not like, it's, it's a me thing. It's not like I'm looking at other people with nannies and thinking, oh, you guys could do this yourself. I don't know what I was expecting, though, of myself. You're, I don't know what I was thinking. You're also the kind of person who likes to just, you You have a tendency to take on too much, eh? Mm. And then you have an unrealistic um, level of, your level of expectation is very, very unrealistically high of yourself. And so I guess knowing you, you, you just, I mean, I've been there. I realized... I came to terms with the fact that I was not able to do it all myself when my second kid arrived, no matter how much I believed I should be able to do it all myself. And you have to play, you know, you have to, you have to go through that, the, right? You have to go through that to figure it out for yourself. And I think maybe knowing you probably a part of that was just that part of your, 
not so much that it was you were health set against not having a nanny or help. It's just that you expect yourself to do it all, all the time. You know, that, that nagging thing, and I know guilt is a wasted emotion, but that nagging thought process of, I had these two kids, surely, and these people with six or seven kids, surely I can handle these two kids by myself. Yes. Uh, yeah, I can't. Maybe I can. Maybe I can if I'm not doing all the other things that I'm doing and that I'm expecting myself to do. So I really don't know what I was thinking. I was expecting too much of myself. I'm still expecting too much of myself. But I hired an angel. I hired my village. And it has made all the difference in my family and in my family life. And I'm exceptionally grateful for it. And I have to say that I... I feel for the mothers and the parents who are unable to afford it. Like I can't say without a shadow of a doubt, I can afford this. I'm, I'm not rolling in it by any means, but I know I can wingle wangle something so that I can dutifully pay this woman at the end of the month. What she deserves for her work. Exactly. Yes. There are some people who cannot. And I want mm. to acknowledge that. And I want those people to feel seen because it, this is a privileged position that I'm in to be able to afford in. someone to hold my baby while I work. Not everybody can do that. And fuck, all power to you guys, all power to you. So after three days of me getting the headspace that I needed because I trialed um, this lady, this angel, uh, for three days last week and then I hired her this week. After three days of me getting that headspace, a, a weekend alone, because Ray had gone away that week, a weekend alone with, with both kids wasn't as daunting as it normally is. I did not fall apart. And trust me when I say, and you know this, Charlene, mm. I have, I kicked my dustbin, my Brabantia dustbin, I kicked a moosha dent in it from losing my temper. I've thrown things. I no longer have a peeler, like a vegetable peeler, because that went out the window. I've lost myself I lost myself and that's what ultimately caused me to make the decision to seek help in this way having this headspace now I've gotten the work done in the week that I could really focus focus on my kids over the weekend you know I didn't have to then double up and I was always juggling I was juggling either work or kids you know I was between nap times and after hours I was running myself ragged and so having that space in the week to be able to do my work gave me the opportunity to really zone in on my kids on the weekend even though it was just the three of us obviously breakdowns normally happen when your attention is divided right so mm. we got through Saturday relatively unscathed uh, we were really focused I was focused on Elijah we spent great quality time with each other Noah was cared for I was managing both kids but then something happened and okay no judges right mm -hmm, no judges we get to bath time, and I mean, that's like you're at the finish line. We were about yeah, you're to. you're like almost there. We were about to get both kids bathed. Once both kids are bathed, Noah drinks, um, he breastfeeds, and he falls asleep. And then we're in the zone. We have movie nights, and Elijah feels loved, cared for, and we have a great sort of family moment in having our movie night. Except I bath them, and I normally take Noah out of the bath, and sort him out, and then I go help Elijah get out the bath and, and do what he needs to do. And I was taking a little bit too long, I guess, for Elijah's liking. 
And when I went back into the bathroom with Noah, he was playing and he was screaming at me, but like we were shouting at one another, kind of playing this game where he's a monster and, you know, I, he's scaring me from the bathroom. And I go back in and I say, okay, Laj, Noah's very sleepy now. You know, I'm speaking on his level and I'm being kind and I'm sort of carrying on with this calm mommy thing that I had going the whole day. I said, okay, I'm putting Noah down on the bath mat. And he was playing with his feet and, you know, being calm. And I said to Elijah, can you see he's he's calm now? So let's take a deep breath. Let's me and you calm down. No more splashing or shouting or anything because w- as soon as he's sleeping, we get to have our fun and our movie night. A switch went off in this kid's mind. And you know what he did? He did exactly the opposite of what I'd oh, asked him. Asked him. He went mental Charlene now I've gotten there and I'm I suppose I had actually been tense the whole day to kind of focus on this child you know and 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 get to the end of the day without losing my shit as a mom and I was almost there and when he went banshee like that and went absolutely fucking mental I snapped and I was reactive and I hit him I hit his shoulder I you know, it was just it was just like this. It was reactive. And I, mm. I don't, if, you know, we'll get into this and this is what I want to be chatting about today. But like, I don't typically hit my, I mean, I'm not in the habit of abusing my child. Let me put it that way. I'm trying my level best to parent in a mindful way. But here is where I'm at a loss. I ticked all the boxes for the day. I was on his level. I spent one-on-one time with him. I got down on the floor. I got down and dirty with him. I fed him. I kept him alive. I wiped his ass. <laughs> I got to the end of the day with promises of ice cream and movie night. And he it's almost like he just slapped me in the face for it. So as you say, no judges, as we all say, no judges. I, I ticked all the boxes. He still wouldn't listen. And it got me thinking about the different styles of parenting, what works, what doesn't. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. Memos. Every generation of parents receives a memo when they leave the hospital with their baby. My grandmother's memo. Here's the baby. Take it home and let it grow. Let it speak when spoken to. Carry on with your lives. My mother's memo. Here is your baby. Take her home and then get together each day with your friends who also have these things. Drink tab before 4 o'clock and wine coolers after. Smoke cigarettes and play cards. Lock the kids out of the house and let them in only to eat and sleep. Lucky bastards. Our memo. Here is your baby. This is the moment you have been waiting for your entire life, when the hole in your heart is filled and you finally become complete. If, after I put this child in your arms, you sense anything other than utter fulfillment, seek counseling immediately. After you hang up with the counselor, call a tutor. Since we have been speaking for three minutes, your child is already behind. Have you registered her for Mandarin classes yet? I see. Poor child. Listen closely. Parent is no longer a noun. Those days are gone. Parent is now a verb, something you do ceaselessly. 
Think of the verb parent as synonymous with protect, shield, hover, deflect, fix, plan, and obsess. Parenting will require all of you. Please parent with your mind, body, and soul. Parenting is your new religion within which you will find salvation. This child is your savior. Convert or be damned. We will wait while you cancel all other life endeavors. Thank you. Now the goal of parenting is never allow anything difficult to happen to your child. To that end, she must win every competition she enters. Here are your 400 participation trophies. Distribute accordingly. She must feel that everyone likes and loves her and wants to be with her at all times. She must be constantly entertained and amused. Every one of her days on Earth must be like Disneyland, but better. If you go to actual Disneyland, get a fast pass, because she should never be forced to wait for anything ever. If other kids don't want to play with her, call those kids' parents, find out why, and insist they fix it. In public, walk in front of your child and shield her from any unhappy faces that might make her sad and any happy faces that might make her feel left out. When she gets into trouble at school, call her teacher and explain loudly that your child does not make mistakes. Insist that the teacher apologize for her mistake. Do not ever, ever let a drop of rain fall upon your child's fragile head. Raise this human without ever allowing her to feel a single uncomfortable human emotion. Give her a life without allowing life to happen to her. In short, your life is over, and your new existence is about ensuring that her life never begins. Godspeed. We got a terrible memo. Our terrible memo is why we are exhausted, neurotic, and guilty. Our terrible memo is also why our kids suck. They do. They just suck. Because people who do not suck are people who have failed, dusted themselves off, and tried again. People who do not suck are people who have been hurt, so they have empathy for others who are hurt. People who do not suck are those who have learned from their own mistakes by dealing with the consequences. People who do not suck are people who have learned how to win with humility and how to lose with dignity. Our memo has led us to steal from our children the one thing that will allow them to become strong people. Struggle. Our terrible memo is also why we stay busy with the trivial while the world our children will inherit crumbles. We obsess over our children's snacks while they rehearse their own deaths in active shooter drills at school. We agonize over their college prep while the earth melts around them. I cannot imagine that there has ever been a more overparented and underprotected generation. New memo. Here is your baby. Love her at home, at the polls, in the streets. Let everything happen to her. Be near. I'm just going to leave that at that. It was an extract from the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Anyone close to me by now knows that this book is the second best thing, or sorry, the best thing to come out of 2020. Noah comes a close second, should I say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Charlene, how would you describe your parenting style? I would describe it as... Doing the best that I can from one day to the next because it doesn't always look the same. Some days I'm patient and I listen and I try to reason. Other days I'm like, no, no, no. We've spoken about this. We're not going there again. Get with it. 
You can see that I'm busy. I don't have time for this today. We've been there, done that. Now it's your turn to take responsibility. Other days I'm more like, I can't fucking deal with this today, which I have oftentimes loudly (laughs) exclaimed more recently so. And other days I just sit in silence while the chaos happens around me and I just feel defeated. So I don't know. It's really, I don't have a specific parenting style. I try and draw from the noise that is out there every day. I try and be mindful and cautious, but I guess, I guess my, my parenting style is very much depicted uh, or dependent on how much sleep I've had and how hormonal I am. <laughs> it's survival. It's survival. That's what it is. Do you, do you differ in style from Rhett? Parenting styles? No, I think we're quite similar. I think it's just um, he portrays it differently to what I do because he doesn't get he doesn't get hormonal. He doesn't get um, frazzled easily. He doesn't get strung out easily. Also, he's also a dad, and and I mean we all know that a kid will walk right past dad and be like, "Mom, I need water." Dad's literally sitting on the couch doing nothing while I'm in the middle of something and you you couldn't just ask him so that kind of thing affects me you know it keeps the glass keeps filling up up. yeah so we've got the same philosophy in the sense that we are mindful and we try to reason with our children and we try to teach them respect and choice and all of those things we've got the same principles but i think we execute it differently purely on the basis of overload mental and emotional overload so it's a really strange thing but ray and i we we chat often about it's mostly me saying okay listen let's consider this let's consider that elijah is quite a sensitive child and i and i keep saying to ray can we we can't defer back to how he grew up and like okay this is silly get over it because uh, then you're leaning into the boys don't cry danger zone, which is not mm. what I want to do. But a lot of the time, I mean, let's be honest, they cry over stupid shit. It's not the big things yeah. that they cry about. Elijah cried in a big way just yesterday because I said he can't play Mario. And uh, uh, there were big tears. He was looking forward to it the whole day. But then he was jumping on the couch like a trampoline. And I said, Elijah, if you can't listen to me, then you can't do that. Um, you can't play Mario, and he just didn't listen to me. And <laughs> I, I was like, "Well, now I got to follow through." And there was no Mario. Huge tears, and I got down, and I was like, "I'm really sorry. I know you feel sad about this. Let's talk about it." And Ray's like, "No problem. This is not an issue. Do we cry about this?" And I was just like, "Ray, it's an issue for him, you know." For him, yeah. So Ray's very much. He's a very strong authoritarian. Not, but not a scary, like Elijah's not scared of him, but he will raise not his like voice more. like a dictatorship, more, more no. like, yeah. He will raise his voice more and he will um, be stronger and firmer. But weirdly enough, if there is a smack that takes place, and we're going to get into that now, if there is a smack that takes place, it's always from me. It never has to be from Ray because Ray manages to kind of... To- navigate the waters without that being required elijah listens to him elijah tends not to listen to me 
And I'm the one he runs roughshod over and I'm the one who tends to lose it. I do relate to that actually, if I think about it. It's, it's the same in our household also. I don't know why. Red doesn't ever need to get to that point. He's also a lot more, I guess now, I don't think he's more patient than what I am. He is just not so easily pushed to his limit. So a few years, right, we chatted about discipline and we've chatted about spanking. And things mm. are always on the, you know, as our parenting styles and as our lives change, so we learn, so we grow. I'm not saying like I'm negating everything we've ever said before. There's some truth to it, some not. We spoke to Derek Jackson, who condoned spanking up until four years and just a light pat on a bum that had a nappy. And that mm. is what... And only if they are in, in danger, danger, in physical danger. to hurt themselves, Yes. Which in today's terms might not make sense to a lot of people listening, but that is who we interviewed. And I'm not saying that we 100% believe everything, you know, whoever comes across sort of our mics and, and onto this podcast, we listen to them with respect and we learn where we can. But I mean, we grow. And, and here's the thing in 2019, after interviewing Derek Jackson a year earlier, in 2019, the Constitutional Decla uh, Court. If you'll remember, Charlene declared that parents may not spank their children. And we lost a critical tool out of our toolbox. The final sort of push when nothing else worked, we had the threat of a spank and we can no longer do it. So the court declared the common law defense of reasonable and moderate chastisement, um, which allowed parents to spank their children with a justification that it was discipline, invalid and unconstitutional. Neither of us are fans of spanking. Both of us were mm. spanked as, as, as we said in that episode. If you go back, it's called spanking um, with a slash of mom guilt or with a splash of mom guilt. Um, both of us were spanked as kids and that is kind of a tool that, you, that we would revert to when push as comes a to shove. Resort, as an absolute yeah. last resort. And I'm not going to say that after that law was instituted that I hadn't used that and here's the thing it's this push pull guilt and I'm saying it and I'm being very vulnerable with you and with our listeners I've used it I don't use it every day I don't need to I I am not proud when I do sometimes it's intentional sometimes it's reactive just like that Saturday night story with Elijah was and I'm at a loss luckily mm. my kid is not an absolute shit he's pretty he's a pretty good kid I can mostly reason with him but he has his moments and I still feel like I owe it to him and I owe it to Noah to really delve into okay what's what's going to set them in good stead into the future as adults and what's going to really keep them feeling loved and let them grow into the adults that that they want to be without all that much therapy I joke about about saving for my kids' therapy as opposed to saving for their college. For their, but I'd like, yes. I'd like to prevent the need for that as much as possible. So, yeah, I don't know how you feel about that. I, You know what I think also, 
just this past week, I was saying to Rhett that I'm Jesse has been particularly badly behaved of late. And I don't know if it was just her. We were on holiday and it was anything goes kind of feeling. There was no routine and we could really go to sleep whenever we wanted to, wake up whenever we wanted to. And ice cream was happening at any time of day. You know, it's a little bit free for all kind of thing, less routine. And I don't know if it was that or whether she was feeling unwell or if it's just the stage, she's particularly badly behaved. But I said to it, and she is defiant and she is uncontrollably naughty. Like there is just no level of authority that phases her. If, if no is being said and it, it doesn't go in line with what she wants, she does not give a flying fuck what's going to happen. Doesn't care about consequences. Doesn't care about talking nicely. Doesn't care about uh, punishment. Doesn't care about having to sacrifice certain nice things. It does not even occur to her. Con actions have consequences and she just doesn't even care. Um, and I said to Rhett, like, okay, I know I'm painting a very ugly picture here, but on the one hand, I have to, it's, it's, it's difficult for me because on the one hand, I have to admire her resilience. <laughs> I have to, I have to, she's I'd a be like, fiery go, redhead, girl. Yeah. don't you let anyone fucking tell you, you know what you want <laughs> and you push for it, honey. But I'm the parent and I'm like, I'm pretty sure if I was an, a bystander looking on at this dynamic, I'd be like, I love this fucking chick's feistiness, you know? Yeah. Which is what I, what I get from most people. Everyone asks is the red hair thing, even though she's going a lot more blonde now, is it true what they say about redheads? And I'm like 100% true. But on the other hand, I'm like, I cannot let this chick go. This is not life. I cannot raise a person. I know she's only three, but I have to set boundaries because I cannot let her go through life thinking that this behavior is okay. It's, it's, it's one thing to be resilient and to know what you want and to be headstrong and not be a pushover. It is quite another thing to be downright disgusting in your behavior, be, to be the kid on the playground or at the bri or at the party that everybody looks at and go like, that is a really pretty girl, but fuck, she is ugly because of her behavior. You know, I don't like that kid. Oh, no, let's not invite them again because they're bringing that kid to the birthday party. Well, this is why we discipline, Charlene. Talking about discipline, talking about, okay, those tools in our toolbox that um, spanking and the naughty corner. And I'm so frustrated, I have to say, and, and we'll get into this. I'm really frustrated with a lot of what I'm reading of late, latest parenting techniques and that. Let's, okay, so four years ago when I was looking into it with Elijah, Yes, uh, don't call it the naughty corner. Call it the quiet corner or the grow good corner of the thinking mat or something positive for that positive reinforcement. And don't leave them because then they're going to be abandoned. And, um, you know, so I was just like, okay, I understand this. But by then it was already too late. Ray had already like taken that and instilled it. And now it's known as the naughty corner in our house. And I, I can't change that. For all that I've tried to, I cannot change it. So it is the naughty corner. I still, when, when he goes in there and we often use it as a threat and he's just like, no, 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 mommy. But we go in there and I typically, if unless I need to regulate myself, we go in there with him and we deal with those emotions. So I, I do feel like that's positive. But at the same time, I've got all of this noise telling me naughty corners are bad. And I'm just like, but you guys are, everybody's taking my tools from me. Everybody's taking my tools from me. So we're going to get into that. But I want to bring this up 
And that's a while ago that I wrote a, a, a piece. You mentioned resilience and just being resilient. I wrote a piece for Media 24 on raising a resilient child. And I spoke to child psychologist Zakira Mohammed, who we've had on the show before. And I've spoken about different parenting styles. And she said, you know, instead of talking about helicopter parenting or lawnmower parenting, uh, you, uh, uh, those are labels. Let's, it might be fairer to look at different styles of parenting rather than types of parents. And she gave me some good insights. She spoke about the uninvolved parent, which I don't think either of us are. We don't just not give a shit. We give a shit. We want to raise good people. Secondly, the authoritarian parents, that's whatever I say goes, you cannot argue with me. Um, and that Ray leans, I, I tend to kind of pull Ray away from that. If, if he could, I think that that would be his go-to. You know, I'm the authority in this household and so you need to listen to me. And what Zakira said was children become angry, resistant, defiant to that. Then you have the permissive parent, which I think is on the other end of the spectrum, that's, I'll, get it, I'll give in to what am I, whatever my kid says, we're friends, we're buddies, I don't want you to see me in a bad light, you become the people pleaser parent, but then the child acts up when someone doesn't give in to what they want, and it's not realistic and not the way the world works, and there's, you know, there's no instant gratification in the real world as there is if you are a permissive parent, so you're not really setting them up to be resilient people if you are a permissive parent, and then the fourth one, which I think you and I can relate to, I think this is where we're going, not that we're by any means perfect, because we do toggle between the different permissive and authoritative, but uh, the democratic parent would, who offers choices and consequences, negotiations, which is funny because we often talk about not negotiating with terrorists, right? Terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> But we tend, we do because we love our kids and we want them to feel heard and we want them to feel appreciated and we want them to be seen. So the democratic parent will give children options which allows the kid to be more in control. They choose their path and they choose their consequences. Um, Zakira used the example of story time. So you can read a story after supper. If you refuse supper and you act like a brat at the table, which is it's probably wrong to be labeling them a brat. If you misbehave at the table, let me put it that way, that's your choice, but then you don't get a story. If you can behave appropriately at the table, then you get a story. So ultimately... So you choose. Yeah, you choose. Ultimately, the power still lies with the parent, but you're giving the child the option to choose. Just like um, sometimes when Elijah was one or two, I'd be like, it's bedtime now. Do you want to run to the bed or do you want to hop like a bunny to the bed? And then, it, and then it becomes a game for him, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you're teaching them that consequences exist. So you're guiding your toddler, you're teaching them healthy choices, and their reaction will be more positive. And uh, he has the thing, it's like it teaches self-regulation, that's what, which is of the utmost importance. And this is what Zakira told me. If a child can self-regulate, they'll go far, and they'll be able to navigate the world without having to lean on you or without you giving them what they want. Mm. Um, I have to just on that note mm. also say that the, the democratic approach, yes, definitely where I uh, feel like is where I'm aiming. And with Joshua, that certainly was a big focus for me. But children are different. Yeah. And I, I have to tell you, I find myself acting more in an authoritarian way 
with Jesse just purely because she pushes back so much. Nothing mm. you can say to her, like turning it into a game or whatever, allows for that. So, and then I'm breeding an angry, resistant, defiant child, which is exactly what she's doing. It's it's hard because I don't believe that you can apply the same approach to no. every child. I think you've got to read your your child definitely. But look, we're obviously not experts and we're obviously at a loss. I lashed out and smacked my child in a reactive way. You've been shouting <laughs> and being an authoritarian parent and breeding that that defiant child and Elijah's had his moments of defiance. So look, whenever I do talk to Zakira, she tells me the same thing. If mom is okay, then the child will be okay, which I can definitely attest to following Saturday night's mother of the year performance from me. <laughs> I'll take my bow now. Just hang on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a great performance. It's still easier said than done to do all of that, to be that perfect democratic parent. I don't think there is such thing. So also another key ingredient that are muddying these waters for parents is the noise that we often speak about on the show. And that's, we live in the age of information. There is a lot. There's a lot of information that's being swung at us from every which way. Totally. I mean, every Tom, Dick and Harry has a say in how you should parent your child. We've spoken about prescriptive parenting just a few episodes ago. And, you know, if you put something in a reel, then, I mean, it, it's got to be true, right? <laughs> exactly. Those Instagram reels. They are like the Bible, dudes. <laughs> what I've come to realize, though, and what I've come to kind of act out against is that I cannot and will not fully subscribe to a parenting philosophy that I learned about on Instagram. Diana, a single square post, no matter how impactful, will never be, it, it just, it can never be the authority on something as important and as personal as parenting is. That said, Charlene, uh, conscious or even gentle parenting has come to be a hot topic on the gram. There is many a hashtag with hashtag gentle parenting, hashtag conscious parenting. I'm pretty sure we've used it ourselves. And it's, it's had me wondering if I should maybe set my cyn cynicism aside uh, with regard to gentle parenting and conscious parenting and maybe delve a little deeper as in beyond the Instagram square to see if certain aspects of this parenting approach might help me out. So we touched base with the Conscious Parenting Association of South Africa to find out more. Our guests today are the founders of the Conscious Parenting Association, which was recently established to offer parents in South Africa research-based tips and advice that would help promote emotional intelligence and psychological well-being for parents and children alike, I'm imagining. Claire Ems is a former teacher who now owns Ripple Effect Parenting, a coaching service that aims to empower parents to find new ways to understand and work with their children and to foster happier and healthier communication between parents and children. Jess Prinsler is an experienced animal behaviorist as well as a certified positive discipline parent educator who hopes to spread the message of conscious parenting and education to all corners of South Africa. Well, maybe we can help in that department by learning more. Claire, Jess... Welcome to The Great Equalizer. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> it's lovely to be here. Guys, and so last minute, but I had to nab you uh, while you've got things on the go, so I'm glad that you could join us. 
But before we get stuck into conscious parenting, I'm going to ask you who calls you mom so we can get to know a little bit more about you and, and your role as a mother and in your family. Um, my name, I'm Jess, and I have uh, two boys of my own. I've got Isaac and Noah. Isaac is almost six and Noah is almost three. And um, we've got a blended family where our helper is living with us and her boys have moved here. And so we all live together with three parents, four boys. So they're Sean and Shane. They are almost 10 and almost seven. Um, I can't believe it. In my mind, Shane is still four. Um, <laughs> but yes, he's almost seven. So yeah, we've got quite a crazy crazy amount of, of, of men around, running around my home. And so, yeah, all four those four boys, they, they, they call me mom a lot. Well, it's, a like, lot. it's like I all say. Day, every day. It's like I say, it's, it's nice to be surrounded by, by handsome men all day. And I've got to know <laughs> myself. So, yeah, talking about being grateful, I'm grateful for that. Claire, how about <laughs> you? Who calls you mom? You've got quite the opposite. Yeah, so I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I've got two girls um, and growing up in a family of boys, I had lots of boy cousins. I've got two brothers. It's quite refreshing and different to have girls, very different vibe. Um, yeah, I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, both um, turning five and three in August. And yeah, it's, I get called mom also a lot. <laughs> mom, 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 mom. My mom used to say, I'm going to change my name to dad. <laughs> my mom used to be like, just call me Adrian, please. I'm so sick of hearing that word. <laughs> so guys, you are here today to chat about conscious parenting. You very recently, I mean, you guys have been doing this for a number of years now, but um, it was only in March that you founded the Conscious Parenting Association of South Africa. So I'm curious to know how you got there, your individual career path. How did it bring you to this point of coming together and forming this association? Claire, uh, I don't know if you want to get cracking on that because you also own Ripple Effect Parenting. So, um, yeah, how did, how did CPASA come to be? Okay, so sort of the start of it was, so I did the Ripple Effect Parenting and obviously the name Ripple Effect, I wanted to reach as many people as I could, but being just one person, I find it quite daunting and quite a challenge. Um, and yeah, Jess did the same course as me, we did the Positive Discipline course. And yeah, we actually met, it was weird, we met on the Positive Discipline website, which is, well, on the Facebook group, which is just like mostly Americans, I don't know, people from the UK, whatever. And we were like, yeah, we're both South African. This is so cool. Um, yeah, then I actually asked her on my podcast because I was like, wow, animal behavior. Like, I want to know about like everything about this to see how it links. Um, yeah, and then, and then we became friends and we chatted a lot. And a little way down the road, Jess spoke to me the one day and she's like, I was just on a friggin' conference call yesterday with all these Americans. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, which, you know, no offense to them, but I was like, we need something South African here. We need to bring it here because we have a different flavor of parenting or a different lifestyle. So, yeah, so that's yeah. Sort of where it started. To interject, Charlene and I feel mm. exactly the same way. We, um, mm. I mean, we listen to a lot of podcasts. There are amazing podcasts coming out of the States mm. and Canada, North America in general, and um, love the kind of flavor that they have with regards to podcasts, but Parenting in South Africa is a whole other ball game. We've got a lot of, um, you know, a different way of going about things and, and a lot has to do with our political situation and our socioeconomic situation. So, yeah, I can totally imagine that. Jess, I, I want to say like animal behavior, I, I can see how it links because I, I kind of, 
Can I take my kids to you to kind of get some? Your, what's your, your business is called Best Behavior, hey? Yeah. So I definitely, yeah. so I have, can I bring I Elijah to you? Okay. Yeah. yeah, so I have two branches. I've got Best Behavior, which is the animal training behavior. And then we've got the parent education and training. So um, it, it does link. You know, when I started studying animal behavior, I thought it was going to be cool. Like, I'm just going to go play with some puppies. This is awesome. What a great job. And then it turns out that the course I did was actually a whole bunch of neuroscience and learning about the mammalian brain. And I was like, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. And holy smokes, am I grateful that I did? Because it taught me... Um, just levels of understanding human behavior and um, and just my relationships with everyone around me that I would I never would have ever stumbled across if I hadn't decided to go into working with animals. And so, um, you know, we all share the same brain structures at different levels. And there are certain, um, uh, you know, well, we, we, we share a lot of the same brain structures as different mammals. We have a much, you know, more developed cortex and that kind of thing. So we can think about the future and we can, you know, do a lot of different kinds of problem solving. And we've got these critical thinking things, but generally our emotions are all the same as animals. And so when you kind of make that parallel, it's really awesome because then you can go, okay, well, if we have feelings and animals have feelings, you, you can use that with children and teaching, you know, with families in such a powerful way to teach empathy and respect and boundaries and consent and all of these things. So I use both um, in terms of now what I've learned about, um, you know, the child psychology and what I've learned about, you know, the, the base core of emotional affect states to really help the families that I work with to find the best relationships that they can. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I can't wait to get stuck into this. And I have to say, Conscious parenting. Conscious parenting is a bit of a buzzword if you, especially if you're a mom on social media. And Charlene and I were just saying how it's tough not to criticize something that comes across as, um, you know, a parenting philosophy that you learn about in the Instagram grid space. You know, how do you, how do you rest your parenting philosophy in the way that you've decided to parent on? you know, a couple of square pictures and limited word space. So there there are a few, we have a few misgivings about conscious parenting, Charlene and I, and um, assumptions that we've made. But maybe to, to get us going on that discussion, Claire, do you maybe want to fill us in on your definition of what conscious parenting is? Yeah, sure. Um, and that's one like maybe a weird thing is that anyone you ask would probably have a different definition because it's you know it's like unique to each person for me it's sort of that mindfulness of knowing why my child is doing what they're doing I think that's the big one for me is like instead of reacting and instead of doing what I feel I should do it's looking and saying why am I doing what I'm doing why are they doing what they're doing and and building on from there so um, it's not like a set of tools or a set of rules it's like a, a way of thinking um, and I think that's exactly why the Instagram space is not going to portray that because mm. you're going to read something and you're like, well, that doesn't resonate for me. You know, swipe up, whatever, carry on going. Um, yeah. I have so. to say a lot of the time I do look at certain things. I mean, you have a lot of this, instead of this, da, 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 do this, da, 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 and I'm just like, I've done that. I've done that. It doesn't fucking work. <laughs> exactly <laughs> I think that too sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh yeah so I'm, I'm excited to get stuck into some of the assumptions that we've had as 
parents about it and to to hear more because I do think that we need to contextualize this outside of the grid space and and so that so in terms of mindfulness I have to say I'm trying like I try daily as a parent to to be with my child to read him to read myself I'm in therapy I've been in therapy for 12 years I've really tried to kind of speaking about contextualizing contextualize myself and my history as a parent and Charlene, I know we've we've been doing this for going on three years now, and we often chat about who we were and and who we're becoming and how we're trying to be intentional as best we can. And and sometimes I just look at my child and I'm just like, I frankly, I don't know. After the way I just treated you, because I was really nice, I was really kind, I got down on your level, and you're still acting like a dickhead. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, I think the interesting thing here is that uh, what I love about your podcast is that you, you've got your hashtag no judges. Um, and um, the, the biggest thing I think about conscious parenting is that, you know, first of all, what it's not is a criticism of anyone's parenting style. I think this, 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 this culture of criticism that we've created somehow I don't know if it has gotten worse because of social media or if it's just always been around and this is just the space that we're living in now but in any situation the criticism of anyone's choice is so toxic and so unhelpful that Mm -hmm. it's exactly the last thing that conscious parenting is about Um, and the, the reality is that the two of you are actually incredibly conscious parents just by the nature of doing this podcast, asking yourself the question, is this the right answer? Should we look for more answers? Am I doing the right thing? That questioning, the questioning of um, your tools, your, 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 your mindset, the, your, the, the practices that you have, that question in itself is the consciousness part of the parenting. It's not about doing it right. It's not about being perfect. Trust me, we're not perfect. Um, There is no such thing as a perfect parent and there is no such thing as a perfect child. And there is no tool that's gonna work with every single child every single time. Mm. So it's really just being about mindful. It's about being like Claire says, mindful of those moments and going, okay, what am I learning here? This isn't working. And like you say, sometimes we don't understand what they're doing and why and why we're doing it but it's getting closer and closer to understanding where that came from in our in our past um and and why that you know child development and their their where they are in their emotional space and just when you can take an objective look at that that's really more about what it is instead of these are the tools do this because Mm -hmm. that's not helpful you guys are doing exactly like you are following all the rules of conscious parenting. If there are any rules, you Mm -hmm. are asking the questions, you're getting information, you're learning as you go. This is a long-term practice. This Mm. is, you're never a conscious parent or you never solve the mystery. It's yeah, like I've yoga. Become, I, I've, I've become full right. circle. I have yeah, lost yeah, it. I am now zen. Yeah. Like, that doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. It's like you don't do yoga and then go, okay, this is yoga. I've done it now. I'm the best. The end. <laughs> yoga, is, you know, yoga is a practice and you're continuously learning and adjusting and adapting. And that's really what it, it's about. It's completely about no judgment, no criticism and just welcoming um, as much joy and, um, and, 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 you know, gratitude and all the, the good things as much as you can and learning how to get through the hard times it's hard to be grateful and feel that hashtag blessed moment when you're often enraged by the little shit that has just defied you i must say 
Totally. And things like hashtag bless, that's also toxic positivity. It's yes. it also, you know, I mean, yeah. you could go, it goes both ways. Like, yeah, hashtag bless. No, I'm not blessed. I always say about my son when he was more little, I would look at my, when he was th- like having a massive meltdown and I'd look at my husband and I'd say, I promise you, if this was my boyfriend, I would have broken up with him long ago <laughs> because I don't accept this bullshit in my life. Yeah. This is not, I didn't sign up for this. Like, I don't deserve to be treated like this. Who the hell does he think he is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it is, it's, it's hard and it's, it's daunting. And it's like, you can't break up with them because they're there and they're your responsibility. Always, as much as you want exactly. They're always there. Um, it's really about going, okay, they are there. And so how am I going to learn from this? How am I going to adapt? And how am I going to, you know, just survive <laughs> really? Yes. Yes. So it's about survival, I guess, yeah. at the end of the day. So I'm already yeah. feeling a lot less vulnerable and raw even though as I as when I I discussed with Claire sort of off mic how I'm in it I'm so in it Mm. because my uh, firstly I've got a four-year-old secondly I've got a four-year-old that just came out of 2020 as I'm sure you guys have seen different behaviors in your children following the shit show that was last year and then I've also got a four-year-old who's just welcomed a new sibling so there's all sorts of things going on in his mind and we are we have been battling. We st- we're starting to see glimpses of the old Elijah. But so when it comes to conscious parenting posts, I, I've bitched to Charlene. I'm just like, I, I can't. I feel judged. I feel exposed. So I'm feeling a lot less exposed as you guys speak. But I do want to tackle some of the myths slash assumptions that um, people generally have about conscious parenting, and I want to get stuck into them. And firstly, that's that, and this one makes me particularly uncomfortable, and my husband for that matter, because I think what we're not mentioning is we also, when it comes to a parenting philosophy or thinking about parenting, you're co-parenting. A lot of us are co-parenting, and you have to bounce off of a partner when it comes to this. So and we'll get into that, but this myth, um, yeah, has has me kind of shaking in my boots. Conscious parenting, the assumption is that it negates the parent as an authority figure and that children in these types of households rule the roost and make all the rules. Claire, go for it. Quite a strong, like I'm a strong personality and I, I and I, as you said before, I was a teacher. And I, I've always, you know, that feeling where somebody like pushes back. So you push more like that's me. Like if you <laughs> yeah. push me, I'm going to push back. Um, totally and me. I, <laughs> yeah. And I used to read these conscious parenting posts just like you. And I'd be like, okay, whatever. Hell no. that. That's so stupid. <laughs> I used to laugh sometimes. I used to roll my eyes. I was like, this is the biggest load of sorry, bullshit. That's how I felt. Literally. Um, I was putting kids outside when I was teaching, go sit outside until you know how to behave. Um, and yeah, just to 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 sum it up, I felt the same way. Like if you raise kids this way, you're going to have these kids who who think they rule the world, and you are going to just be a little doormat. Um, and then when I delved into it further, um, I realized that it's it's more a mutual respect and like a it, it's hard to explain it. Like because even that sometimes makes me feel like, well, why is it mutual? I'm the parent; I should be the boss. But when I started stepping down off my pedestal and being like, you know what, I don't have to be the boss. And I sort of tried to entertain the thought of working with my child. Mm. It was like so much easier because I ask her opinion and I don't have to do it, but I ask her opinion and it's like, what do you think about this? And it just, it sort of shifts my mindset. Like it's hard to explain it, but I hope that makes sense. I don't know if that's well, let me Let me give you a scenario. 
if you don't mind. Ooh. The other day Ooh. I was driving home with Elijah from school and I often go, okay, how, I, I try not to go, how was school? Because you all know the answer you get when you say, how was school? Fine. Fine. <laughs> Elijah, uh, I've engaged with him on this and I've said, if you, if you don't feel like talking about school, rather than being rude to mom, because he'll be, you know, he'll, he'll say something rude like, I don't want to talk about it. You know, and I'll, I'll say, rather be kind to mom and say, mom, you know what, we'll chat about it later or when I feel like it, but right now I'm quite tired from school. So if that's how you feel, Elijah, then, you know, so I'm trying my best to engage, as you say. So the other day, I'm riding home from school with Elijah. He has a treat from school. He had just made sort of those Mari biscuits with icing. I allowed him to have one. He was enjoying it in the back seat while we were driving home. And that's a huge treat because we don't often let him just, you know, have whatever he wants, especially if he hasn't, you know, had lunch or whatever. But you know what? Go for it. Sugar rush. I was prepared for it and gave him that. And he spoke to me like I was a piece of trash driving on, you know, going on the way home. Oh, you know, I was trying to say, who was at school? Who did you play with? And he bit my head off, even though we've discussed and gone through. Listen, if you don't feel like it, just say, mommy, I don't feel like it right now. And he hit me in such a way, and I might have been uh, premenstrual or whatever, but I was so emotional and hurt by the way that he spoke to me. I know he's four, but I, I still was. And I started tearing up, not that he could see, but I felt, I felt like a doormat, the way that he spoke to me. So what I did was pulled over, and I was just like, no, hang on. He needs to know that he can't talk to me like this. Pulled over, got out the car, wordlessly, took that Mari biscuit out of his hands and carried on driving. And he was just like dumbfounded, wondering what the heck happened. And he's like, mommy, why did you take my biscuit? And I said, well, you know what? That's a treat. And I don't really think that if you talk to me like that, then, you know, you you can have the, the nicer things in life, which I know is, so now I'm heading and I'm opening up that vulnerability again because we're going into reward parenting, but okay. Besides, we'll get into reward parenting, but besides that and my actions, how would you guys have handled feeling small when your child talks to you like crap like that? If you were in my position, how do you go about that? I think the first thing to recognize is that we feel small all the time. We feel exactly the same way you do. It doesn't take it away. Um, when a child is being disgusting and saying horrible things and you can, there's this little creature and you love them so much. And you're like, you are just the best thing that's ever happened to me, but I hate you so much right now, or you've hurt me so much right now. And so those triggers don't go away. What you learn to do when you, when you delve into this stuff more. And, you know, if we've got a bunch of amazing women who are part of our association, who offer these workshops that help us understand, you know, the tools in the moment and the tools out of the moment. And, um, what, what we're really looking for in those moments um, and what our children are really looking for in those moments is connection. At the heart of all of it, they're really looking for connection. And um, one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard, which I, I can't remember who said it, um, and I'll, I wish I did because then I could um, credit them, but it was that um, children crave connection, but they'll settle for attention. Mm. And so really, if you're focusing on the connection part of it and you realize that you're both in that moment disconnected, and so he's screaming because he feels some emotion that he doesn't know how to handle. And you are reacting from a position of, you know, my lid has flipped and you're not thinking clearly right now. So when your lid flips, the part of your thinking brain, the thing that's making logical choices is not 
it's completely offline at that moment. So you're thinking with all your previous emotional baggage, you're thinking with, um, you know, any kind of hormones, all of your hormones, you're thinking about, you know, I need to have control over you. I'm a bad parent because I can't control my child. Mm. You're thinking I'm, I've, I've, I've failed at this. All the worst things that you can think about yourself are going on in those moments. And those are not the moments to make big decisions. So essentially what we um, teach, you know, in our workshops is in those moments, that's not when we do our parenting. Those are not the moments where we react because we're both coming from a place where we're not thinking clearly. So in a situation like that, and don't get me wrong, I've done the pullover. I've done the take away the cupcake. I've done the scream and shout. Um, like I say, we're not perfect. It's about progress and recognizing those moments and going, what can I learn from it? What can I try to do next time? That might be more helpful in the moment. Um, and so for, for in that particular moment, I would go, if I was asking three questions and he said, I don't want to talk to you, I would say, okay. And I would stop. Because in that moment, if I'm pushing and I'm trying to get questions and questions, all we're inviting is more resistance and more resistance and more resistance. He doesn't really necessarily know at that point why he doesn't want to share. Um, I also speak to Claire about this all the time. My boys don't want to tell me anything about their day. Her girls tell her all the time about what's going on at school and life and friends. And it can be a personality thing. It could be a gender thing. Who knows? Um, but generally in the moment, if I'm saying, how was this? Or who made you laugh today? Or did your teacher tell you anything interesting? Like, I don't want to talk about it. Then I'll say, okay. And when I'm now feeling a bit better, I'll come back. And I said, you remember earlier when you um, snapped at me, when you said you didn't want to talk about it? I'd really appreciate if you could um, speak to me more kindly. Um, and so can we role play how to speak kindly to each other? And then you make a game of it and you go, excuse me, sir, how are you feeling today? And you can make it into a complete joke of, you know, practicing manners, but mm. because they're playing, they're now more receptive to it in the moment in that car, they're receptive to nothing. They're not hearing you. All they're thinking is how, Oh, mom is so unfair. She's taken away my cookie. She didn't want to listen to me. And Oh, she's just just mean. And we're just fighting with each other, yeah. And and you're so, just fighting with each other. Uh, what I'm understanding from what you're saying, this mm. is very helpful. What you're saying because you are right. When emotions are high, you're not actually um, getting anywhere. Yeah. Um. But what happens? So is it outside of that moment that actions have in real life actions have consequences? Mm -hmm. So are we teaching them? outside of that moment that actions have consequences because if they're behaving badly and nothing happens in that moment mm. aren't they just going to be like well this is okay even i can talk to people like mom, that yeah. well later when mom tells me that that hurt her feelings i mean mm. are they at that young age are they going to put two and two together to realize oh okay maybe that was a bad idea and next time when it happens i shouldn't do it well the short answer is yes they will learn because they will be learning in a more receptive state. So we as parents, um, we, we, we want to deal with it right now, in the moment, right now, because it's urgent and we have to and figure nip this it out in the bud. And then you nip it in the bud. And, and you also, nip it in the bud because it has to be done now. Can I add? Yeah, it's not acceptable behavior. Yeah. And yeah. I add, Jess, that, I mean, mm. we're freaking busy. And yeah. that's the reality is that yeah. from that moment, I dropped him off at yeah. home um, and we got kind of settled and he mm. was feeling very sheepish, went to his dad and was mm. not feeling great, not in a good space. And we got him settled and whatnot. But mm. I couldn't then debrief. I had to get stuck into my emails or yep. get onto a phone call or get onto a Zoom call, or have a meeting. Mm. 
that's the reality of a lot of parents. Yeah. So I think how you're saying it is it takes a lot of legwork. It takes a lot. And that's the daunting part for me as well is it's just like, yeah. oh, my God, to kind of – and he doesn't pay attention to me. What happens if you're sitting yeah. and you're like, let's play a game? And he's just like, Psh, mom, I'm playing Duplo. I'm watching this show. I'm if What if he's not interested 100%. then? 100%. And I think that's also because that goes back to the receptiveness. So if he knows – children are super smart – he knows that if you're coming to come and play a game because actually I've got my agenda and I'm going to put my yes. agenda on you, yeah. then I'm going <laughs> to, mom, I got you. I know your card that you're playing right now. But if it's a genuine moment where it's, it doesn't have to be later in the day, it can be the next day, it can be the next night. It's when you've completely regained your complete, like just chill factor. And now I'm fine. I'm thinking clearly. I'm not angry anymore with him for speaking to me like a, a horrible human. Um, and now I can think and now I can move forward. And now what can I teach? Because children learn the most from modeling when they're young, especially when they're little. Um, they learn a hell of a lot more from seeing what you do than hearing what you say. And, um, and so if you model respectfulness, if you model speaking kindly, so if you and your partner are having a conversation and you have a huge fight, they're watching it. And this is not to say don't fight in front of your kids. Trust me, I fight in front of my kids as well. And often my son will come to me and be like, guys, it's time to take a break because <laughs> that's what we've, and so, and it's, I mean, it's how sweet. And I'm no, it's not, I'm fighting right now. Um, but, and it is because he, in that moment, his lid hasn't flipped. He's thinking clearly and he's, he's not emotional because he's not in the fight. So he's right. We should take a break. And I'm like, no, I have to fight with this right now because I have to be right. And my husband's going, we have to fight with this right now because I don't know what he has to prove. I don't know, whatever. I don't know what he's thinking. But basically um, when you're, when you're in that moment, you're not going to make any sense of it. And so it's this fear, like you say, that I'm going to get busy, I'm going to forget about it, and then I'm going to try later, and it's not going to work. And it, it, we, we get so caught up in that, that it has to be now and the consequences of our actions. Because you're right, we don't want these crazy, permissive, you know, rebellious, crazy children running around and, you know, with that, that just get away with murder. But there is a difference between natural consequences and imposed consequences. Mm. And so... Um, and, and natural consequences happen anyway. So that what we talk about is how you prepare for it in advance. Um, and then you will kind of set yourself up for success instead of waiting for the thing to happen um, and then reacting to it, which is what we all do. We're, as a species, we're a reactive species. That's what we do. Things happen, we react. Things happen, we have to. It's, we're a very adaptable species. So that's what we do. Um, but it's 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 more helpful for both involved when you take a step back and you're both dealing with the situation from a calm, regulated state because you're not going to be um, engaging with all that emotion. So you touched on my next myth slash assumption that people have, and that's that conscious parenting is over permissive and lets, lets kids get away with, with murder, essentially. Mm -hmm and could produce either weak, coddled, or demanding children, or bratty children, um, and neither of whom will be able to cope with the harsh realities of the real world. What? That's the assumption. Claire, <laughs> Claire's getting, getting fired up again. I can see it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's the same thing again. It's like, like, I don't want my kids to be this, you know, like, I don't want my kids to be that way. And it's the exact reason I didn't want to do conscious parenting in the first place. And again, when I figured out what it really was and what it really meant, and also sort of just leaning into what we spoke about in the last question, 
is that their behavior is actually communication. It's communicating a message to us that they're trying to ask us to understand. And when I understood that, I was like, it's less about me doing nothing and just sort of being gentle and permissive and, and letting them be happy all the time and more about me understanding who they are and then setting clear boundaries that are respectful. So mm. setting a boundary, not like not shouting at them and, and smacking them and, you know, those things do happen, but trying as much as I can to be conscious of how I set the boundaries in a way that is respectful for both of us. And it's hard, like it's such a balancing act for me because you do go back to what you know and how you were parented. And we'll talk about that later, maybe with the reparenting. But yeah, I, I think that's sort of how I feel about it. So it's a positive discipline tool called kind and firm at the same time. And generally what happens when we are parenting, you know, we'll be kind, we'll be nice. We're like, okay, you, you know, you're so sweet and, you know, have your, have your cookie with all the sugar and do that. And then they become, um, uh, then they start to act up. So we are super permissive until we can't stand ourselves. I mean, until we can't stand our children and then, and then the children become disgusting and then we have to be firm. So now we have to go the other direction and then we hate ourselves and then we feel terrible. So we, you know, go back into the permissive. And then, so it's this, 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 this seesaw effect of like too kind, too firm, too kind, too firm. But once you can marry the kind and firm at the same time, then it's boundaries, structure and kindness. And you can hold boundaries and structure very easily without being too punitive. Because if you move to the too firm, then you're going towards punitive. Mm. And punitive has a whole bunch of th- like fallout um, if it's too punitive. And, and too kind has a whole bunch of fallout if it's too kind. Mm. So if you can get the right balance between both, then you, you, you're basically, it's a sweet spot. You, 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 you're, you're winning. And you're not winning all the time, but it is a sweet spot. And it's probably the most helpful sweet spot for all learning so I um, use the the quiet corner, which is which has become. It, it it initially started out when when I was venturing into disciplining my child, and and what we would do, we're like, okay, we don't want to smack, and now we can't smack, um, but we never really wanted to. So let's do the quiet corner, and then you ask teachers' advice, and you ask the advice of professionals. And that's what we've used with Elijah with a lot of success, I've got to say. And that's another myth, though, that or assumption uh, that I know about conscious parenting or that I've made, not that I know, an assumption that I've made about conscious parenting is the whole um, consequential parenting. So if this, then that. If you do this, then you can't have that, just like I did with the, the, the cookie in the car. If you behave that way, you cannot have your treat because that's a privilege. Or reward parenting, okay, let's have a reward chart. If you behave yourself and you tick all the boxes and you do all of these things, then you can have this treat at the end of the week or the end of the month or we can go choose a nice toy or something like that. And that is a tool that parents have and I feel like, okay, spanking was taken out of our toolbox and now if we listen to conscious parenting, reward charts, and the naughty corner or the quiet corner or the grow good mat, that's the taken out of our corner. Tool, the thinking corner, that's taken out of our toolbox. So that's the question is twofold. What does conscious parenting feel about that, about reward parenting and, and consequences? And also, I need to bring in that a lot of schools use that. And then how do we navigate that as parents? Because we're putting our children in these schools in the, into the trust of the teachers and we can't go, do what you want with the other kids, but I'm a conscious parent, so please don't put Elijah in the corner if he's misbehaving at school. 
How, how would you respond to that? Go for okay, it. Um, I, I, the reward one is a big one for me again because it was one that I didn't get. I was like, yes, rewards are good. We will reward our children. I had charts in my class and they got their stickers and all of those things. And it also took a long time for me to connect the conscious side of it with my own kids and I was using like my daughter got glasses like I had to use a reward chart how do you get a two-year-old to wear a pair of glasses like mm. whew, let's not even go there <laughs> it's like I have chills thinking back to when it started but um but the one the one big thing for me was the conscious parenting thing of how do I get my child to decide that they want to do this rather than doing it because of what they're going to get and it's also such a it's a it's a, a balancing act because how do you get a child to decide to want to do something and I started realizing it's, it's again, those agreements. They need to, to know what's coming. They need to have an idea of how things work and, and routine and structure so that, so that they are more inclined, hopefully, to make those good decisions without me having to reward them seemingly sometimes unrelated almost. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> Charlene, do you have any misgivings about that approach? No, I was just, I'm just, uh, your, your choice of words uh, was so, um, it was so eloquently put, let me just say, because how do I get my child to decide that they want to do this? I, 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 I don't know. How do I do that? Because my personality is if, if I just, even as an adult today, if I get the slightest whiff or inclination that I am being put in a position where I'm expected to do something or I'm playing into what is expected or what has to happen. That's me. Fuck it. Mm. I'm out. I yeah. will do just for the sake of doing the exact yeah. opposite. opposite. I will do it. Mm. I don't care how as an adult human being, I don't care how <laughs> spiteful or unrealistic or stupid it is. I just, I cannot, I cannot feel like I'm forced into or manipulated into making a choice. It has to absolutely 100% be my choice. And, okay. and, and so I'm, I'm trying to teach my children to, yes, they have a choice, but within, within reason, because in real life, we don't always just get to do what we choose or what we want. And I have to really hide that side of my personality because it's, um, it's it's not healthy. I don't think it's a healthy way to be. And I don't want to I don't want to put that on them. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. How do I get them to I mean, are we manipulating them into thinking that they want to do it? Or are we helping them actually wanting to do it? What are we doing here? This sounds like a lot of words to me. <laughs> it's like you know, such a good question. Sure. It's such Sorry, a good question. No, it's such a good question. And I think it is it is a lot of words and it is a concept that when you just first hear it, you're like, This is too much. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Immediately, I'm resistant. This is too big. Mm. I can't take this on like I've already got the stuff change is really hard um I mean I I I primarily work with families with animals and they they pay me money to come and help them to get their animals to change I give them all the tools to change and they can't because there's this thing between the you know the, the the knowledge and then the action and you can know something, but doing it is really hard. And it's because we get, it's easier. It's easier to do the same thing that we've done and, to, and that we've practiced and that we've seen work. And you're correct. You're 100% correct. Charts work, punishment works. And it has worked for a hundred years where they've studied it in depth. Um, and so obviously from my background in doing animal behavior, I had to study this in depth as well because operant conditioning, classical conditioning, I'm sure you've heard of Pavlov, you know, uh, Pavlov's dogs, um, all of that stuff is what they based 
all you know the education system on and family um uh, family discipline they they based on operant conditioning which is reinforcement and punishment um and then they decided, okay, cool, well, maybe we should put some laws in place that um, don't let people, you know, abuse each other because that's not great. So let's put those laws in place. But hey, let's not give anybody else any tools. Let's just tell them that they can't do this and leave them on their own. They've got to figure it out. And like, I, I want to ask you guys, how, how empty, how terrified, how pissed off were you when this was taken away from you and you had no control over a tool you had yeah. being taken away and you were given nothing in return it's like it's like the pro-choice and and sort of abortion laws in the states Ooh. is is you hang on like hang on, first it's none of your business what i do with yeah. my body and how can you put a law in place so same yeah. thing like i never really and, intended to to manhandle my children yeah. or to abuse them but hang on, but like, how do who you, are you take to... away my freedom? Yes, yes, yeah. And I think I think that's really when we if when we do any kind of conscious parenting workshop, when we do any when we work with parents, our goal is always to before saying no, you can't do this, no, you can't do that, no, you can't do this. We'll give you a tool before we tell you all the things you can't do. And also, it's conscious parenting. You can do whatever you want. Your parent, you're the parent, you've got your children, you make the rules. It's not up to us to tell and you how to. each child is an individual at the end of and the day. What works for Elijah is not going to work for Noah. Child. Exactly. Your connection with your child is what we focus on and building that connection. And so there's a few little uh, just clarifications that I wanted to make. The first is that discipline and punishment are not synonymous. Discipline means to teach. So disciplining your child is really important, right? Very, very important. We need to teach our children. Super, super important. We need to teach them respect. We need to teach them empathy. We need to teach them how to be successful members of society. Punishment is what has be somehow become synonymous with discipline. And so when we, we say, okay, you must discipline your kids. Yes, definitely. Now we must punish them. Mm, the, the, the jury's out. Scientifically, it's not so much out. But we don't want to put in, we don't want to make anybody feel bad about punishment. It happens all the time. It is a natural consequence of the world. So in terms of your question about, you know, I'm going to do some different tools at home and now they're going to go to school and they're still going to be using this, you know, rewards and punishment model. How is that going to blend? And the reality is, is that, that that is life and learning to be adaptable in two different situations is an incredibly good skill set to have. So it's not about this is the only way that I must shield my child and they can only be exposed to these consequences. It's preparing them in a really conscious way and a really kind way and a respectful way, you know, looking at their, um, their rights as a child and their rights to not be harmed, their rights to be respected and their rights to be valued and looking at that and giving yourself tools to help grow that in your child and, and, and in advance saying this is what happens at your school and and i'm here to talk about it if you want to talk about it i can't control your school um, i'm a very controlling personality so i'm i'm like i'm going to go and do positive discipline in my son's school because i want to go and help them um like that's that's how like a passionate i am about this kind of kind of stuff but at the same time it's going to take a long time i can't change every single teacher's mind and i'm, I'm that's not what i i want to do i want they, they have their own wisdom they have their own curriculum they've got their own shit that they have to deal with so our job is to be helpful and, 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 and guide the process, guide the children, guide the parents that we work with in a kind way that will help grow the elements of our relationships that we want to grow, as opposed to using power and, and, and sort of control to get the behavior that we want. Mm. Um, 
And so I think it's okay if your your child is going to a school where they're still using these methods, they'll be fine. Um, it's about, you know, being mindful of it and going, okay, well, if they have feelings about it, then I'm open to hear those feelings. And I'm open to learn about that and learn more about it. So guys, we are running out of time, but we've got a lot to get through. And I want to, I want to jump to reparenting. Claire, you, you deal a lot with this and that's kind of how I came to know you. I'm just like, okay, yeah. I've been working on this. I think when we all become parents and Charlene and I discussed this in our dark side of motherhood episode is when you become a parent, the way that you were parented becomes all the more obvious. And if it was traumatic on any level of the trauma spectrum, then you start to feel very real emotions around parenting. So I don't want to take away from your definition, though, Claire. What is reparenting and is it part of the conscious parenting journey? So uh, Jess and I were actually talking about this yesterday. Um, I might be wrong, but this is what I've seen from the work I've done, is that any parent who starts, well, any parent actually, not just conscious wanting, parents wanting to do conscious parenting, parenting any parent, what, like you say, once you start parenting, all of your shit comes out. I feel like it's like Pandora, Pandora's box. Yeah. It just yes. opens a mess ton of crap and you've got to now look at all this and say, what the hell? Like what happened in my life that that was right, that was wrong? Why am I the way I am? Um, how am I going to be different with my kids? Um, and for me, reparenting was looking back and saying, why did, I, why did I form beliefs as a kid that I did? You know, like I was a kid who did everything right. And I thought that was great. Like I sat well in school. I said the right thing. My work was neat and perfect. And I got my stickers and my stars. And I was like, I was the, I was the model child. Mm, 100% <laughs> you know? me, hmm. yeah. And now yeah. I look back and I'm like, I don't want my kids to be that way. And I never thought I would say that because I look back and I'm like, what a waste of, not a waste of time, but sort of what a waste of time. A like, waste of a childhood. I made no decisions for myself. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I realized I want to learn why I made those decisions. What led to me making those decisions? Um, yeah. And I just started doing some mindset work and, and the reparenting is really that. It's, it's different for everyone as well. It's looking back and saying, why did this happen to me? And what has it led to now? And how am I going to change it if I want to change it? Yo, it's hard. It's hard work. <laughs> this is all very hard work. But, you very know, hard. I think a lot of our listeners are going to be resonating with this, mm. with the Conscious Parenting Association of South Africa. So you guys mm. launched, as I said, on the 1st of mm. March. And you started with a CPA summit, which I'm, I'm sorry that I missed. Things, so much was going on and I just want, kept wanting to tune in. You guys had so much great content going out. I want to know what you offer through CPASA because you've also got something else coming up that you've you've kind of just started the 14-day grateful parent journey. So for those who are interested in the association, what is it that you do? What is it that you offer? So the the CPA is basically a group like Jess said of other professionals in South Africa who all sort of share the vision of spreading conscious parenting. So like you said, the summit is actually still up. So people can go onto our page and watch all the, the episodes. They're still there. They can go see that. Um, but yeah, we've got a 14-day Grateful Parenting Challenge coming up. And the whole idea behind it is to give people something free because, you know, everybody loves something free <laughs> and and give them an opportunity to, to maybe think about their parenting a little differently with, again, no judgment. Like it's going to be very fun as well we've tried to make it fun and and the the premise of it is gratitude so um Jess was actually explaining to us as a group because of all her, her 
studies of the brain, how like being grateful and being conscious of being grateful actually changes the way your brain thinks. And we thought if, if every day they can think of something they're grateful for, hopefully we can help them in some way to re rewire their, their brain in a little way to keep looking for the good. Um, every day yeah. yeah you know we get so bugged down by like our child's you know meltdowns and they don't they lose they lost their shoes again and they're not getting in the car and you won't eat his breakfast and there's all this stuff that goes on and we we focus on the negatives because those are the things that trigger us but it, it's it's really important to like stop take a breath and just look for some positives every now and then because we all became parents to feel joy I don't think any of us became parents because we wanted to be, you know, fighting with our kids the whole time. Mm. Um, and so it's really to just inject some joy into our lives and, and, and enjoy the journey a little bit more than we might be at this moment. So how do people get involved? You mentioned that the, the summit videos are still up and online, which is great. So if, if anybody wants to kind of get stuck into that, there's a, there's a wealth of information there. Obviously, your Facebook and Instagram, your pages, your social media. But how do you, if people want to get involved in the 14-day Grateful Parent journey, this is going to go out and it's already begun. Is it too late yep. for people to no. join? So the idea is that it carries on. So like people who want to will start their own groups and carry it on. When I finish my 14 days, I'm going to start another 14 days to start it all over again and I'll we'll keep posting it to social media and we have a Facebook group where, where we want to support parents and we'll be posting the links there for people mm -hmm. to join and they can get hold of us on our website as well and our as website. well yeah. website mm -hmm. as well okay well we're gonna put all our listeners in touch check out the show notes and our, our social media platforms um conscious parenting association and jess's platform and ripple effect parenting claire's platform mm -hmm. will all be linked up for you guys if you are interested if you want to join the 14 day grateful parent journey or you want to see what tpasa is up to then the great equalizer will link you guys up thank you guys so much for joining and us and then i wanted to add something oh. if you don't mind before we go uh go jess and i were chatting and we would really love to offer both of you a free spot on our next six week workshop <laughs> we'd really if, if you'd like to do it if you'd like to come see what we do wow um, we'd really love you. that thank you and uh, we'd yeah. also like to offer the listeners a discount whoever's listening here you can go check out we do a workshop independently from the cpa um, so you can look up either on Ripple Effect or on Jess's website on Best Behavior. If you and go to the CPA, it is there as well. Yeah. yeah. All of oh, our, yeah, all of there our, as well. Sorry. All of our, 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 our members have all of the events coming up for any of the members that we have for the CPA. Um, any workshops that they're doing are all listed under our events uh, page. So depending on your schedule, you can slot in with anyone. But okay. for Claire and mine, yeah, then any of your listeners will be getting a 20% discount on if they want to join our workshop. And we'd love to have you guys as well, just to see a little bit more about the experiential activities that we do in terms of um, giving tools. And hopefully you will, um, well, hopefully we can prove to you um, how, <laughs> how, how non-judgy we are, how, how hashtag non-judgy we are. You know what? I'm so grateful. Thank you firstly for the offer. That's very yeah. kind. So Sam and I, we're actually very uncomfortable with the accepting freebies all the time. So that's why we're just like awkwardly looking at you. Yeah, <laughs> Not because we're not excited, but because it makes us feel so uncomfortable. Um, uh, but thank you for that. And while we've been talking, I keep thinking to myself that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not skeptical about conscious parenting. I guess I just feel I'm fearful of hearing what conscious parenting is about and getting educated on it and feeling really shit about what I've been doing up to this yeah. point. But yeah. after our discussion, I really want to know more about this because if it, 
uh, Claire, just in the way that you've described it to me, if I could understand, because for the most part, when I'm at my wit's end in my parenting journey and the most difficult times, I feel myself feeling emotional. And I've teared up a couple of times while you guys have spoken. I don't know if I'm hormonal today or what's going on. And I'm probably going to cry again now talking about it. But I often feel like if I could just understand what this little person is feeling, mm. then maybe this wouldn't be so difficult. Mm. And I don't know why I'm, I'm battling this last two weeks has it's been hard for me. My kids have been difficult and I've been emotional and I'm tired and they're tired and we're all taking strain. And I, I'm looking forward to learning solutions for having these experiences. So um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. And thanks for the stuff that you've shared with us today. Well, thank Thanks you for, for sharing, sharing that, that with us, Charlene. Yeah. Um, and for your vulnerability. And I think, you know, it's just, it's the, what you're feeling now, you know, I, we've all felt it. We've all been there and it's tough. And it's these moments where it's my, my favorite tool to recognize is that I don't have to be a great parent today. It's not about being perfect and making the right decisions. I can just be me and be a human. And if I need a hug from my kid, I can ask him for a hug. And if he doesn't want to give it, it's okay. And it's just about kind of just settling into not having these high expectations. Often it's the expectations that kill us. Um, and, and it's our own expectations of ourselves that kill us and, 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 and what we think other people's expectations of us are. And so um, I, I just want to like commend you for being so honest and also just give yourself a break. You're doing great. You're doing a bloody good job. So um, don't, like, it's, it's not about feeling shit about past mistakes. One of the things, one of the tools we have is that mistakes are great opportunities to learn. And how wonderful would that be for our kids to whenever they make a mistake, they feel, oh, wow, this is cool. I made a mistake. What can I learn from it? Instead of, ah, oh, fuck, I made a mistake. I can't do this ever again. i got to hide myself. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And so that's what this is all about. It's about learning and about growing together and having a support structure and, and having a community of people who really understand how tough this whole thing is. Um, it's by no means about being perfect or doing it right. There is no right. There's yeah. just, there's, 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 there's doing it the way that feels right for you and the way that's going to help you the most and to grow your relationship and to grow your journey. Oh, guys, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us. We're going to keep all our listeners updated, obviously, on where to find you and on our own conscious parenting journeys, where to go from here. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. If this episode spoke to your heart and you are interested in embarking on your own conscious parenting journey, email us at info at thegreatequalizer.co.za to claim your 20% discount on the CPASA's online parenting workshop. The next six-week course gets underway on 3 July 2021 and we would be honored to have you join us. Okay, so I mean... We, we, we entered into this discussion with some, with some cynicism, as we did say or did declare. I, I can't say that I'm converted to the concept, but I certainly feel like if I could just understand a little bit more about what my kid is feeling or experiencing, 
then maybe this whole journey for me wouldn't be so exhausting. And, and Jess said something particularly interesting when she said that we have the expectation, we place the expectation on ourselves to be perfect parents. But there is no such thing as a perfect parent and a perfect child, which is something that often gets like, like strewn, strewn around or people throw that terminology around. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. But we still end up expecting ourselves to have it waxed. Yeah. Even though it's a journey, it's not a race. And I mean, I think we feel so crap when we have those bad moments. I mean, I spoke at length about Saturday night with Elijah, reaching out, smacking him. Just, I asked him to do something and he did exactly the opposite after a great day. And I hit him and I think I, I hurt him, if not physically. Then he looked at me Definitely with this like, ultimate betrayal, like, how could you? And those tears were real. You know, sometimes you instill a punishment and it's like, okay, get over yourself. Other times it's it's like I, I did something to him now and I'm not proud of it. And oh, now I'm getting emotional. <laughs> <It's>, uh. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. It sucks. It really sucks losing your shit. And... Mm. I'm sorry. sorry. No, it's fine. I can't talk through my tears like you can. You've got lots of practice talking through your tears. (laughs) Even though I sound like a chipmunk when I do. (laughs) I'm not proud of it. It's uh, And I need, but my tools have been taken away from me. And I need new tools. So I do think there is something to this. I am so afraid that I'm going to be permissive if I do this. And if... If I give my child the permission to just speak to me like, you know, and make me feel small, he can't see. I mean, I'm in a household full of men, you know, boys. I can't let them treat women like that. I can't let them treat me like that. And so you do kind of put your foot down in the moment and you're like, actually, no, you can't. You may not treat me like that. Mm -hmm. I, I will never let it happen. So it's very clear I need the help and the guidance and yes i i do what i wanted to say was i never going into my marriage and saying i do i never expected never to have a fight with ray Mm-mm. and i never ever wanted to have those shit moments with my kids and i'm still finding it hard to grasp that i will still have, have fights to. and have to go through horrible experiences with them and i i know logically there's no relationship that's not without its rocky parts and i need to come to terms with that i i just feel like i'm so scared that he, he doesn't forgive me eventually for something that i have done and that's really hard you want to be the hero you know yeah so i don't know what my bottom line is i think the bottom line is we're hey we're fucking not perfect and we need help too sometimes and it's worthwhile to talk about it but with each other and and with other platforms so how about we keep talking yeah for sure <laughs> we'll say this that's <laughs> just sniffing for us <laughs> not in Toronto over here um we hope we haven't made you cry while you're listening but yeah you know we say this uh, every episode if you want to chat with us if you want to weigh in with something um or you've had a moment of your own where you felt not so proud of how you reacted in a in a minute 
Oh, in a moment. Please DM us a voice note on Instagram. We can all be pathetic and tearful <laughs> together. <laughs> pathetic such a negative word, but I like to call it that because I feel pretty pathetic here, like useless and sad. And yeah, so um, please DM us a voice note on Instagram uh, at the Great Equalizer Podcast, or you can record one on your phone. Uh, send it to us on email. Our email address is info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. And guys, feel free to tag us in anything that you find helpful. Yes, we can't live our lives through uh, squares on Instagram or short snippets of posts that aren't contextualized. But if there is something that resonates with you, we always love seeing what you guys are into and what you would like to chat about. Yes, your support, uh, it, it's so super important to us. And having said that, we've we've uh, made such great friendships uh, through social media um, and, and you guys reaching out to us. So you have no idea how much every like, love and comment or share means to us. So please don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that you know when there's a new TGE episode out and review us on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Facebook because it just gets us out into the open. Exactly. The more we're seen, the better this podcast will do and the better we can do for you. And so that's it for this week, Snot and Trana and all. <laughs> Until next time, keep, keep your, your mom, mom game, game strong. on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at info at thegreatequalizer.co.za and we'll get back to you. 